Christmas? Is everyone ready for Christmas next Sunday? All right. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm definitely not. I just got started with Christmas shopping, but <laughs> we're going to be preparing this morning for Jesus coming.
Go ahead and have a seat. You know, just as we were singing that, um, it reminded me of an article I read this past week about, I, and I can't, I, uh, I can't recall the name of the syndrome, but there's a, a uh, thing that happens with astronauts when they're in space and they can look out into the vastness of space where it's so black and see this beautiful blue planet that's filled with life, uh, the planet Earth, that, um, that it, it changes their perspective about life because they recognize that all of the problems, all of the struggles, all of the things that, that we experience and surround us here on Earth, when you're in space and look out and see that beautiful planet, you realize they're not quite so big. And yet God, from his place in heaven, looks at Earth and said, all those things that are struggles, all that sin, all those problems, I want to fix that. And so I'm, I'm going to send my son to come and redeem man, to make everything right again. And so let me just say to you, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Good, good stuff. Hey, we would love to know that you're here today. At the end of each of the pews, there's a little black book. Uh, if you would put your name in my little black book, that would be uh, great, actually. If, if you would fill those out and then pass them to the right, that'll help us know that you're here. We ask for everybody to do that. If you're a regular around here, you could just put your name, and that'd be great. If it's your first time, if, if you'd uh, uh, complete your information, we would love to just send you a note that says, thanks for being here, um, and Merry Christmas, that kind of thing as well, and that would be great. If you're watching online, we're glad that you're uh, doing that as well. If you can uh, open the North Point app if you're at home and, uh, and sign in that way, that would be great. If you're here and don't have the North Point app, you can send a text with the word app to 833-242-8622, 833-CHAT-NCC, and uh, we'll send you a link. The app has lots of announcements. It, it lets you know what's going on, lets you know a little bit more about the church. Um, got a great event that's, that's going to happen in January um, with the head baseball coach from Michigan State University. Uh, it's going to be an opportunity to connect men to each other and then to help them get into groups that can help them just continue to grow as disciples of Jesus. And, uh, and we hope that you'll be a part of that. Hey, this week is Christmas. Are you ready? That was a very mixed response. <laughs> no, don't make it happen. Hey, um, we have three Christmas Eve services this Saturday, one at 3, one at 4.30, and one at 6. We hope that you will come, that you'll invite others to come. It's going to be just a great service, a little bit less than an hour, um, just a time to reflect on the power and meaning of Jesus coming to earth of Emmanuel. We have a special guest that's going to be here, a guy named Evan Strzok that is a nationally known speed painter. Um, so he paints all over the country, um, does paintings, full-blown paintings in less than 10 minutes. And um, he's going to do a painting for us at each of the services that, that matches up with the message. And uh, we're going to have a chance to sing, going to do the um, candlelights. It's going to be great. And we hope you'll be here, that you'll invite your family and your friends to be a part of that as well. Um, on 
uh, on Christmas Eve, we'll take up an offering on Christmas Day as well, a special offering that's going to go to Missions of Hope International to help plant a, a church and a school in Kenya. Our goal is $50,000, which uh, that's a God-sized goal. That, uh, only God can make that happen. But uh, we hope that you'll be praying about what you can give and be a part of that. Um, if you would like to give today, you can do that. Just simply um, mark Christmas offering for Kenya. That'd be great. You can do that electronically as well. If you came ready to give just in your general, uh, in your regular giving, you can do that at the boxes at each of the doors. You can give electronically by just sending a text with the word give to 833-242-8622, 833-CHAT-NCC with the word give. We'll send you a link and you can give electronically electronically, you can set that up for a one-time gift or for the Christmas offering or regular giving. You can do whatever you want because it's great. It works marvelously. Thank you, Rick. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm trying to think, is there anything I've left off that I've missed? No. Jake says no. Good. Um, we, uh, I, I do hope that you have the app open, that you've got it ready. Get your Bibles ready. We're going to spend some time looking at the Christmas story in today's message. Um, the, uh, if you've got questions about today's message, feel free down at the bottom of the sermon notes in the app to send a message, and, uh, and Jake's going to be answering those questions on North Point Plus this week. We're excited about that. Hey, good morning, everybody. How we doing? Yeah, I love it, man. Hey, uh, as we've mentioned several times already this morning, we are a week away from Christmas right now. Uh, that's um, a little fun and intimidating and all of the emotions that come with December, right? And so uh, I want to try to do something a little fun and break up that a little bit and just play a game this morning, right? Some of you were like, jeez, oh, go back and play with the kids, Jake. It's okay. We're going to have fun. Uh, very simple. I'm not going to ask a lot out of you. It just involves dancing and telling your life secrets. No, it's just raising your hand. Okay. I'm just going to ask some questions here. And if you are one of those people, just raise your hand up in the air. We'll do a little confession here. All right. You can admit to this. Uh, and the reason we're going to do this is I think being a week away from Christmas, we've got two kinds of people here. We've got the overly prepared and they're completely underprepared, all right? That's just my guess. We're, we're going to find out. We're going to see here. So uh, let's have some fun. We're going to start off easy. Uh, who here has driven around to look at Christmas lights this year? Oh, so festive, right? All right, I got two little girls. We, um, uh, I don't know if there's any police officers here. Uh, we allegedly break the law and um, put them on our lap, and we drive through the neighborhood with smoothies, and we count the Grinches and the Santa Clauses. Uh, Santa wins, but we prefer Grinch in our household. That's okay. Uh, how about this one? Uh, who here had their Christmas decorations up before the turkey went in the oven for Thanksgiving? Where are you at? It's all right, be proud. The bird tastes the same, didn't it, right? It didn't change at all. It was still delicious, okay? You don't have to feel bad about that anymore. How about this one? Uh, who here has most of their decorations up, but you didn't quite get everything up? Like, there's still some lights or signs that are in a box somewhere, yeah, and you don't even care anymore, right? Like, you had enough holly jolly. You just want that box to stay hidden, right? We got a few people like that. Uh, how about this one? 
Who has watched at least three Christmas movies this year? Yeah, fellas, die hard counts, okay? All right, don't, don't let anybody steal your John McClane joy, all right? We're counting die hard here, all right? Uh-huh. How about this? Uh, who here made sure that all three of those movies came from the Hallmark Channel? <laughs> One guy just, I'm not going to call him out, but he was very proud to raise that hand right there. I'm a little concerned. We don't even get Hallmark Channel at our house right now, so please don't even tell my wife that it still exists. Okay, we've kind of hidden that in there. Uh, I just feel bad for all those big city guys losing their fiancés to that tree farmer back home, right? It's, it's just tragic for those guys, right? It's terrible. Uh, how about this one? Uh, who here has been to at least two holiday parties, like an office party, a family party, friends party, those kinds of things? Yeah, those things can be like calendar filler, right? Like, I don't even like you people enough to buy gifts at these parties anymore. So they happen. They sneak up on you. How about this? Uh, who has all of their Christmas shopping done? Wow, look at that. You guys are on a first-name basis with the Amazon guy, aren't you? Yeah, I was teasing my wife yesterday. I got a bunch of packages off the porch, and I said, honey, we have to have the cutest Amazon driver because he is just dropping stuff off every single day at our house right now, and I'm not sure how to feel about it here. How about this one? On the flip side, who here is like banking on two-day prime shipping to try and get their Christmas shopping done? Yeah, it's okay. I'm with you. I'm with you. Like my mom would get a really good Christmas gift, but it's not coming until the 26th, so she's getting something way cheaper and faster now. So sorry about that, mom. I still love you to death, but here's how it happens. So here's the thing. December is a crazy month, isn't it? Like it is absolutely crazy. We have got so many things to do for and because of Christmas. We've got to go to, to work parties. Little Billy's got a recital. We have to go see colorful lights or put colorful lights on our house or our trees. And then there's that cookie baking tradition with grandma. And then there's the shopping both in store and then online when we couldn't find what was in the store that we wanted. And then we found out that this place has got a special Christmas display with live reindeer. And so we got to make sure the kids have that special memory. And then we go back home and we have to wrap all of the things that we bought online. And then we've got to make that homemade pre peanut brittle for that Christmas over at the in-laws. And then we have more traditions and then we have more stuff. And then we have more this and more that and more and more and more. And it just feels like we have packed six months of activities into this one month at the end of the year. And it's exhausting. We do all of this stuff that keeps us so busy because of one single day. We prioritize and prepare so many things so that we can celebrate Christmas the way that we always have, and it's exhausting, exhausting. I was talking with Jamie before the service, and she said, man, I'm just tired. And I said, Jamie, no, this is pre-tired. You wait until after Christmas. That is real tired. Like, you are pre-tired right now. And the thing is, we have all of these commitments and this time and money and the effort, and I just begin to wonder for a second, have we prepared to celebrate December 25th or have we prepared to celebrate Jesus? Have we prepared for a day or have we prepared for a person? See, my fear is that being a week away from Christmas, we have prepared for everything except celebrating Jesus. And it is incredibly easy to do. There are lots of good things and, and good traditions and expectations, and all of it can be good, but they can also at times 
begin to get in the way. We feel that if we don't prepare, we're not going to have a good enough Christmas. If we don't have enough gifts or, or lights or people or whatever else, these memories, and then we begin to feel as though we may have lost something. Or if it's not perfect, that we're, gonna, we're just going to miss out on a special time. And that can be true if we haven't prioritized or prepared for the right person. See, even the very original Christmas, like the birth of Jesus, made people focus on priority and preparation. There were lots and lots of moving pieces and very busy calendar-filling events that led up to Jesus' birth. And this is especially true for Mary and Joseph, the parents that would raise Jesus. I think we can find some great preparation for Jesus here. Uh, check it out here, Matthew chapter 1. If you're at the North Point app, you can read along. If not, we'll toss it up on the screen for you here. But check this out, Matthew chapter 1. 18 through 25, it says this, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. He took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. See, here's the thing. Before Jesus was even on the radar, Mary and Joseph are planning a wedding. A wedding. And weddings were, were huge in this culture. In fact, Jesus' very first recorded miracle took place at a wedding feast that lasted several days and involved the entire community. In fact, it was, it was so big and so long that Jesus' miracle was turning water into wine so that they would continue the wedding party and be able to continue to celebrate together. Like planning a wedding has never ever been a small feat. Even today, planning weddings is this massive industry that takes lots of money and time and money and effort and money. Yeah, right? Like if you want wedding flowers for your wedding, don't call and tell them you're having a wedding. Say you're having an event or something and like watch that price like cut in half or something, right? It's crazy what it takes. See, I've had the opportunity to do a few weddings uh, for a bunch of, a bunch of people and, and man, they are their own adventure. Like each and every single one of these. I love doing it. See, I've done weddings uh, on this beautiful plantation in South Carolina. And I've done weddings in, in the home, the family living room of a couple. In fact, I've done a, a wedding in the show barn for the, the county fairgrounds. So like the place where they come in and the farmers would show the cattle to try and win a ribbon is where I had my buddy get married, right? It was the craziest experience. It was so much fun. And here's what I know. Some of my friends from Langsburg are like, hey, had thought about that one for a second. It's all good, guys. Just give me a call. We can make those things happen, okay? All right, no, it didn't happen. All right, not a problem. Here's the thing. I've done quite a few weddings, and all of them took preparation, and all of them were filled with stress. 
And all of them took tons of money and tons of prioritizing. See, planning a wedding celebration for the town that would have lasted several days for Mary and Joseph is a huge ordeal. And this is what Mary and Joseph are planning. And then an angel shows up. And now instead of a wedding, they're planning for a baby. Like a teenage bride-to-be where the fiancé doesn't claim the child would have put that entire wedding on hold. And that's exactly what it does. Pregnant Mary would have been the story for years in this small town. They would have asked, why, why doesn't she love Joseph? How could she do this to him? Who is the father of this child? Is she going to be put to death for breaking her commitment? And yet the text points out here that Joseph, who has this high regard for the law, in other words, he really deeply cares about doing what God says is right, but he also has a high regard for Mary. And so he decides to try and just take this, this whole thing that has just flipped his world upside down, and he's like, you know what, we're just going to put it away quietly, and we're just going to move on. We're just going to kind of shovel it away here for a little bit. Mary can continue to live and do her thing, and I'm simply just going to move past it and get on with my life. Like His reputation would be uh, repaired. He might even be looked on favorably for the mercy he would be showing here, except that God has a different plan. After, after all of this, an angel shows up and talks to Joseph and convinces him to do the absolute crazy thing. And so Joseph marries the pregnant whore who disgraced him. At least that's what the town would have felt. That's the questions they'd have been asking. What, what is this guy? Is he nuts? Does he actually believe her? Are they going to really play the divine intervention card right here? Like, we know what's going on. What is wrong with these people? There's no way they think we actually believe their lies, right? Like, in this short time, we have gone a really long way from preparing for a wedding to preparing for a baby. And the excitement in the like goes from the community, goes from, yay, let's celebrate, to quiet scandal happening next door from celebration to pariah, and all of this is in preparation for Jesus. And then it's census season. Life is not hard enough already for Mary and Joseph when, guess what? The government gets involved. <laughs> Yay, bureaucracy, right? <laughs> Check this out in Luke chapter 2. It says, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to, Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there... The time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. See, if you've been around church for a while, or if one of your three movies that you watched was Charlie Brown, you've probably heard this passage before. See, in their preparation for Jesus, Mary and Joseph go on a government-mandated road trip. <laughs> 
the scandalous newlyweds would have probably taken about four days or so to travel 90 miles, maybe even longer than that, considering that Mary was pregnant at the time. And even though like your nativity scene at home probably has this like cows and like a nice little donkey, and that's kind of what we picture on the like traveling down, we don't actually know if Mary had a donkey here. It doesn't, it's not mentioned at all. But what we can tell is that this was not an easy trip for these guys. See, when my, life, my wife was in uh, the late stages of pregnancy with our, our youngest daughter, she's about 18 months old now, uh, it became really apparent that she was just feeling like all of the pregnancy stuff going on, right? She was tired, she was exhausted, she was uncomfortable, she wasn't sleeping well. She'd tell me about it every morning after I got a good night's sleep. Yeah, right. There's some women out there like, all right, where's the podcast questions? I got some issues, right? It's all good. I'm just kidding. I love her to death. But here's the thing. In the midst of her last month of pregnancy... My wife decides that we're just going to take uh, our kids to the zoo. So we, we took our daughter and a couple of her friends, and we're going around Potter Park Zoo. And if you've been to Potter Park Zoo, on the way out, one of the last exhibits that you can take part in is camel rides. And these little two-year-olds at the time were so excited to want to ride the camel. And so I said, honey, not a problem. I'll, I'll ride the camel. I'll take the girls up. You can get some pictures. And she goes, no, 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 no. I kind of want to do that. Well, let's do this then. Come on, right? So my pregnant wife in the ninth month of pregnancy gets on with three two-year-olds in front of her, and she rides the camel all around taking a lap. And it was the craziest thing. I got pictures of it. It was hilarious. Uh, all that to say that night, my wife went into labor, and 24 hours later, we had a kid, right? <laughs> so if we've got any expectant mamas, just ride some camels, and you can get this thing over with, apparently, right? <laughs> Here's the thing, traveling in the late stages of pregnancy is still unadvised today. And so it had to be even more risky when you lived in a time period with a 25 to 33% infant mortality rate. Like preparation for Jesus included the chaos of dangerous and exhausting travel, all thanks to the government, right? And then they arrive and they most likely had to stay with family. Like there, there has been a lot of debate over the years uh, about the word in. We read in in the passage or guest house or whatever it means here. And we're not going to get into all that. If you want to do some fun reading, by that I mean like nine pages of scholarly essays, there's actually a link in the app. You can check that out if you want some time later. Uh, but there's a very solid chance here that Mary and Joseph uh, would have stayed in the guest chambers of relatives. It would have been these really tiny, small quarters for them to rest in or sleep in. In fact, the room was probably too small for them to like give birth. <laughs> so at some point, Mary goes in to labor and the main room in that home would have transitioned into a labor and delivery room for them. You've got this stressed out, exhausted, socially shunned couple that is welcoming a baby into this world, not in their home, but in the home of distant relatives. Like, none of this would have been what they wanted, but it's exactly what they prepared for. And this baby is, is wrapped in swaddling clothes, which is common. Like, we still swaddle little ones today. And then it's laid in, in an animal's feeding trough to rest. Like, animals would have been sheltered up right next door to the house, and so most likely in this barn-like structure, so they could have just pulled something in to lay the baby down. But then the chaos of all of this just continues. Like, check this out. Verse eight, it says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. 
But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news. It'll cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth and laying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angels, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, like, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, They spread word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart, and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Like, think about this for a second. Exhausted and sore, Mary watches as some random, filthy shepherds show up to see her brand new baby. Like, could you imagine being in the delivery room and a random shepherd with like dirt and nasty smell comes in? He's like, is that your baby? Can I look at your baby? You're like, no, like hitting the red button. Like, what is going on here, right? They've just had this magical moment and these random, filthy guys walk in and start asking about this, claiming all of this stuff about angels to find them. And she's got to think this was weird, right? She's got to think this was weird. But everything about this pregnancy has been weird for her. So she's just like, yeah, yeah, sure. Why not? Come on in, shepherds. Like, touch my child with your nasty hands. It's all good, right? This is a bit strange, right? And it's okay for things in the Bible to feel a little weird or strange. But they had to be overwhelmed and shocked at all of this, but they lived it. See, the truth of the birth of Jesus just doesn't quite fit in like a sweet nativity scene or a soft Christmas carol. I mean, that's a much weirder feeling than that. This was real, and reality is messy, (laughs) and it's tiring, and it's surprising all of the time, and yet in the midst of all the weird and all the planning and all the preparation for this moment is one of my favorite verses about the birth of Jesus. Once the shepherds leave and the chaos is done, the moment that they had prepared and prioritized and adjusted everything for had finally arrived. And we get this verse in verse 19. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. At the end of the preparation, at the end of the chaos, the travel, the spending, the time with family, the change of plans, the entirety of it all, Mary is left treasuring and pondering all that has happened and has led to Emmanuel, God, with us. Like, that is powerful. As busy as her life has been, as chaotic as the previous few days, weeks, months were, she now has Jesus with her. That all the prioritizing and all the prayer faring just to get to Jesus. And we are one week before Christmas. One week that probably feels super busy. 
one more party to go to, one more gift to buy, one more family outing, one more whatever to get to Christmas. And can I ask, when we get to December 25th, what will we have prepared for? Will we be ready for gifts, food, traditions, or whatever else? Are we gonna be ready for Emmanuel? See, can I encourage that in these last seven days, we actually prepare for what we're celebrating. Like the traditions are fun, the memories are great, the food will be delicious, the gifts are kind. But if you haven't spent time preparing for Jesus, preparing with Jesus, man, then what are we really celebrating? See, I want to take some advice from Mary here, and I just want to spend some time over these next seven days just treasuring and pondering what having God with us really means. And so I just want to share some friendly advice, just two things that you can do in the next week to prepare for Jesus. And the first one is simply this, prepare by doing less. See, we are a culture of doing. We find value as Americans in what we do. When you meet somebody new, one of the first questions is, hey, what do you do for a living? We're a culture of doing, but God has called us instead to be children of being. So here's my encouragement. Take one or two things off of your calendar this week. Be less efficient and get less Done. I know some of you, like, that hurts to hear a little bit, right? You're like, oh, no, things important, must do, chocolates, right, whatever it is. Just don't. Just don't. And look, I promise, Christmas will still come. It will. Just do less and instead accomplish less but spend more time being with God. And then when you choose to be with God, we can take that time to simply Ponder and treasure. Ponder and treasure. And this can be done in so many different ways. And just take a little bit, just listen to some music. If that's good for your soul, man, just, just listen to some music. Bundle up, take a walk outside in the cold and enjoy the snow and all of creation. Brew a hot beverage and read about the story of the birth of Jesus. Turn off anything that has a power button in your home. And just talk to God. Talk about your family. Talk about your desires. Talk about what Christmas has been like this year. Ask questions. Whatever it takes, just spend time where you are pondering and treasuring your time and your relationship with Jesus. See, on Christmas Day, I would encourage, man, open gifts. Eat every sugary thing you can get your hands on. Laugh with your family. Spend time resting on the couch. Those are blessings from God. They really are. But just don't get lost in the busyness and the chaos and miss out on celebrating Jesus because you were working to simply get to one single day. And so this morning, we actually have the opportunity to prepare and prioritize together right now. See, Rick's gonna make his way up here right now and he's gonna lead us in communion together. And as a church family, here's my encouragement. Let's make this moment right now the very first step in preparing for Jesus together.
If you haven't picked up um, one of the emblems for communion, feel free to just go ahead and get up there in the back right now. It occurred to me that as we come together for communion, that God is the one who really has done the preparation for this time. God is the one who set everything in motion from the Garden of Eden in order for sin to be taken care of and our relationship to be right with him. That happened through the birth of the Christ child. God prepared for this moment. But there's also an element in which we prepare for this now too. Paul, when he wrote to the church in Corinth, said, everybody who shares in the Lord's Supper should examine themselves. They should really take a look. And so um, I just want to take a little bit of time and I want to encourage you to just shut your eyes and to kind of take inventory in this preparation time and ask God to show you areas of your life that you need to come clean on, that you need to confess, that you need to repent, so that as we remember the price that Jesus paid for our salvation, we can give that to him to be nailed to the cross. Maybe there are some broken relationships that you've been responsible for that you need to confess. Maybe you've caused some problems in people's lives and that's something that you need to confess. Maybe that as you just take some time, you realize that you've made other things gods in your life. That you've given them a priority over your relationship with a father. Spend some time praying. Confessing. Repenting. Preparing. And when you're ready, go ahead and take the bread and drink the cup. Knowing that the Bread reminds us of the body of Jesus. The juice reminds us of the blood of Jesus that flowed freely on the cross. Jamie's going to sing, but let's just keep preparing and celebrating this time of communion.